What is going on? Welcome back for another week of the Refiner's Fire podcast. We are so stoked just to continue just to work toward us, just getting more and more closer to Jesus, uh, being more like Jesus, just living a life of just purpose. You know, I've I've really enjoyed these past few weeks just to really just break down who God is, you know, go through the Trinity, just teach a little bit. You know, it's, it's something that the Lord has definitely given me a heart and a, a, a desire to continue to do in my life. Um, I know throughout, throughout the rest of my life, the Lord is is going to continue to grow this gift, um, this desire in me. But I want us to go ahead and keep moving on um, with just living out the Christian life. You know, a lot of us, as we've kind of talked about the past few episodes, um, we're just kind of just in this new realm, like you're in this new realm of understanding what Christianity is and trying to figure out how to live for Jesus and just how to live this life overall. So this week we're going to be talking about a topic that I don't really and honestly see a lot of people talk on it or really teach on it. They may talk on it, but going into detail, like how to live it out and how to do it, I just don't really see people teach or, or speak on it in that in that manner anymore. Um, and so I really just kind of wanted to just look at it myself. You know, when I was thinking about doing this episode, I actually asked God, I was like, all right, Lord, I don't know what you want me to talk about this week. And uh, this was the topic he gave me. Uh, so the topic that we're going to be talking about this week is repentance. Now, of course, a lot of us, you know, in the faith, if we've been in here for a little while, we've heard it um, multiple times. If you're a new believer, you may just now be hearing it or you've heard it once or twice or a few times. But I I want us to really just kind of just break down, um, you know, the word repent or the word repentance. And all throughout the Old Testament, New Testament, you know, we see this word or phrase, um, you know, come up. You know, it's either a call to repent, a call to repentance, or just to repent or repent, uh, repentance overall. Um, so in order for us to really kind of understand what that looks like, I really wanted just to, to break it down in sections. You know, what is repentance? You know, how do you repent? What do you repent from? Um, and so we're just kind of going to just be breaking that down uh, during this episode. Now, I actually went to um, Wikipedia to actually get a, a definition, an overall definition of what repentance is. And it gives an okay definition uh, for sure. You know, there's there's probably a little bit I would change in it, you know, through a biblical standpoint uh, or verbiage. Um, but we'll just read what Wikipedia says, and then we'll kind of just move on from there. Um, but Wikipedia says that repentance is reviewing one's actions and feeling contrition. I'm going to switch that word out for conviction. Or regret for past wrongs which is accompanied by commitment to and actual actions that show and prove a change for the better. In modern times, it is generally seen as involving a commitment to personal change and the resolve to live a more responsible and humane life. In other words, being sorry for one's misdeeds. So this gives a, an overall good definition, I think, of what repentance is. Um, I probably would, you know, really break that down a little bit more, and we and we will throughout this episode just to break down what that actually means. What does repentance, you know, fully kind of mean, and uh, how to really understand it and grasp it for what it is. So I want us to first and foremost start off by looking at, you know, the the biblical standpoints, the biblical meaning um, of the word repent and the word repentance. So in uh, the Greek, we actually see the word repentance is used throughout the New Testament, and it is uh, in Greek metanoia, which means changing of one's mind and if you've been in the church you know you've heard when anyone talks about repentance or repent um, in the church they always talk about is changing one's mind Um, but I also want us to look at this Hebrew representation of the word repent in the Old Testament which is teshuva which means returning 
So I want us to really take the time to kind of break those down um, and kind of look at those a little bit deeper while also kind of looking at, at the Bible for, for help in that as well. So if we took at these two meanings and we look at the definitions, then we can understand, you know, what repentance looks like. As we said, metanoia is to change one's mind. Well, we're going to start with that first because I think in order to, to understand what it means to change one mind, you have to look at it a little bit deeper, which essentially that means it is to change, you know, the thought process. If we think about one's mind, we're going to start thinking about what? The brain. What is the brain responsible for? You know, it's responsible for the thoughts, you know, what we think, how we think, the decisions that are made up in our minds. Uh, we all know it takes place in the brain. The brain is where, you know, all of our thoughts go. Um, if you actually look at the... Uh, breakdown of the brain, you'll actually see the different components and different parts of the brain that actually makes decisions, whether that's problem solving or, or actions or your fight or flight re response, you know, where knowledge is stored, all these things. Um, so the brain is actually where it is, is all taking place. And it actually says, you know, that the brain is like the master organ, um, you know, because it just, it makes up the, the, um, the ability to actually do things and think things. Now, obviously, I think we would all say, Really, not honestly, the heart's the master organ because without the heart pumping blood to the brain, it wouldn't function. Um, so I would kind of disagree with that. I would say it's a second major organ, um, but the heart is first and foremost um, where it all kind of takes place, which is also kind of interesting because if you look at what Scripture says, you know, um, from the heart, you know, that's where everything is kind of stored. Um, everything kind of flows from the heart because that's that's kind of like the deeper part of like who you are. But moving on from that, you know, we'll first look at the um, first section about how you can actually change the brain. How can you change one's mind? And firstly, I think that's by remembering that we are new creations. You know, we have the identity of Christ. We have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, which means that we no longer have the identity of flesh or the world, but of Christ. You know, we first have to know that we are no longer to live as the world, but as Jesus. And all throughout the New Testament, you know, through Jesus' teachings and through you know, Paul's and, and the others who wrote the, the New Testament, we see that there's a call to live righteously and to, and to live like Christ and to model Christ. And I think we have to understand that we are, you know, co-heirs as Christ. Like we were given that identity. Paul actually makes note of this in Second Corinthians 5, verses 16 through 17. He says, so now... Uh, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. And so when you look at we can't regard to anyone from a worldly perspective or point of view because we no longer see that way. You know, we, we no longer view people in a worldly manner. We review them through the eyes of Christ. And that's why it also says that we once regarded Christ in this way, but we no longer do. Well, we no longer do because we have accepted Jesus into our heart, and he's given us that new identity. And that's why, you know, it talks on, um, therefore, if anyone's Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. That's the new identity um, that God has given us. And so when you understand your identity, you understand who you are, it kind of helps you gain a little bit more understanding um, on how you're supposed to act. Because obviously we kind of know when you know who you are, take take example for, you know, a play, for example. When you have like a main character or a side character, they both know their characters and they know their parts, so they know how they're supposed to act. 
it's kind of the same thing for us. Like we we know who Christ is, so we know who we are. We know what words to say, you know, how we're supposed to act, where we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to do. It's that same mentality, like as if you were in a play. That character or whoever's portraying that character knows what the character's supposed to do, what they're supposed to say, where they're supposed to stand. It's the same thing. Like we know um, our character and our character is Christ to be like Jesus. And so I believe that's kind of how you can understand, you know, who, who you are and that you are a new creation. Now, secondly, I think it's by us living out the changing of one's mind by changing our actions. As we noted earlier, the brain is where everything takes place. You know, it's our thoughts um, and it's our actions. It actually, you know, helps us. It, it, it sends the, the brain waves out to move your body. Um, and so we, it kind of gives us that action aspect, like it puts, it puts thought to flight, it puts thought to action. So going back to the definition from Wikipedia, we notice how it says that repentance is reviewing one's actions and feeling contrition, substituted that for conviction, then says that it is accompanied by commitment to actual actions that show and prove a change for the better. Now, if you go back and look, it says that repentance is reviewing one's actions. Reviewing is an action verb. You know, if we if we actually go and look at, you know, literature, um, we would see that viewing would be just like the first time. You know, you're viewing it for the first time. But when it says review, it means it's a second glance. It's a second look or another look. You know, it's, it's, it's putting your eyes back on it. So when you review one's actions, you're looking back on that action and seeing and noticing the conviction and knowing that you did something wrong. Um, and feeling that that conviction by the Holy Spirit, then it says it is accompanied by commitment to actual actions that show and prove a change for the better, which means there has to be actions. There has to be an actual means in which we actually change on how we live or change on how we speak or change on how we do things. Um, In order for repentance to have its full effect, we have to put that into action. We have to do things um, in order for for full repentance to just, you know, come and and bear its fruit. We can't just say sorry and be like, oh, yeah, I felt that after feeling conviction or or feeling, you know, um, you know, that that conviction from the Holy Spirit. Uh, But it's it's more than that. It's it's an outward and inward expression that shows that we acknowledge our sin and we're choosing to turn around and return to God. We notice what we've done wrong. We have, we can tell we've done something wrong, but we're making the action to turn around and go back, um, go back to God. And I think a great story of this that we kind of see this in um, is in the prodigal son. You know, when you when you look at the prodigal son, uh, I think it's in Luke 15 where it talks about it. It shows us that you know there's these there's these two sons, and they have the father where the younger son wanted his inheritance. Then, like he didn't want to wait. Uh, he wanted to go ahead and get his family's inheritance and leave. So he ended up uh, getting the inheritance from his father. He left. And what did he do? He went out there and, and blew it all, lived a rebellious life, you know, spinning on whatever he wanted to do, whatever he wanted to have. And what ended up happening? Well, the dude ended up losing everything. And it gets to this point so badly that he's actually literally having to eat like pig's food. Um, with pigs, like that's that's how bad it got. He got so down in the dumps and lost everything, and just lives a right, right, um, rebellious um, that he ended up losing everything, and now he's having to eat pigs' food. But in the story, it says the son realized he's like, man, 
I'm sitting here eating this nasty pig food, and the workers who work for my father literally get three meals a day. They have a place to sleep. They have a place to raise their head. Why am I here? And so he's like, I got to go back. I got to apologize to my father, and I, I'll just work for him. Um, and so what happens? He ends up leaving where he was at. He begins, returns to the father. He makes that action to return and head back. And then you just see the the beautiful picture, you know, um, you know, one of one of I guess part of the gospel, but two also just the loving grace and mercy of who God is, um, as it's just portrayed in the story. The father sees the son, you know, in the distance coming back, and what does he do? He runs out there and graciously loves on him, hugs on him, kisses on him. He gives him a robe. He gives him sandals. He gives him a ring. You know, he he gives him that identity. Um, he 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 was no longer in the world. He's no longer living the world. He's got that new identity. He's got that new covering. He's got he's got everything he needs now. And the father was like, "I don't want you to be a worker. I just want you to be my son." And that's that's the returning. That was the action that you kind of see uh, put into place. So this actually is a really good story when it comes to looking and kind of viewing on how repentance kind of works. Um, you know, you go out, you live for the world, and you realize it's nowhere near as good as Jesus or God is. And so you have to make that that decision. You know what? This isn't as good as what I thought it was going to be. God is greater. Let me go back to him. And it's it's a great story of just seeing how repentance um, happens. But notice how, you know, in the prodigal son story, we see he returned to the father. Now, this is where we can see the Hebrew word for repent come into play, which we noted really is teshuva, which means returning. So in order to return to something, you have to be following something or you had to have left something. And for us, that's something that we leave or that we, you know, run away from um, is a relationship and intimacy that we have with God. You know, that's why when we sin, we feel that conviction because we're leaving um, and separating ourselves from God and that intimacy. Now, that doesn't mean that we we can't be fully separated from from God by our sin, you know, as believers. You know, we've already recognized Jesus as Lord and Savior. Um, at, you know, in our hearts, so we we won't be fully separated from God. But it's it's touching the truth that you know, when we sin, we still have a relationship that's involved with God, and it adds a little bit of strain to it. You know, because sin it definitely affects our relationship with God because. When we sin, we, we essentially are leaving God as the son left his father and the prodigal son. And we're essentially saying that we want something better than than, than what's here, um, than what's been given to us. And in the midst of that, we feel the conviction because it reminds us that um, we can't live that way because it doesn't offer us anything good. Um, it leads us down a road that just doesn't doesn't add up to, to what we thought. Um, and it essentially reminds us we are no longer that way. We are no longer to be, to be led like that. Um, or to involve ourselves with that. So what happens? We return to God through what? Through changing our minds and our actions, through returning back to God, to returning back to the Father. And I think by our actions of repenting, it, it is showing that we understand what we are doing and making a change to return to God. Now, this is where it kind of maybe start giving you some questions in well now now that i kind of know this you know what is that what does repentance even look like Corey? what is it you know what how does one repent you know how do we repent what does it look like and i can give you definitely some some uh examples um because I'm, I'm glad that you've asked that because if you get to see anything um throughout the bible is that you get to see god is not a god who just leaves us hanging without knowledge and wisdom if we read the word of god it shows us um how to repent and what to repent from i mean read it from from old testament new testament even the old testament you see the israelites are constantly have to turn around and be like you know what yep nope we left god 
um, our, our city and, and our nation's kind of going to heck. Uh, we need to turn back to God. We need to remember that, that he was the God who, who freed us from um, Egypt and led us, led us into the promised land. Um, but if we're looking at what to repent from from now, you know, in our, in our day, age, and time, the New Testament definitely gives a lot um, of indications and in what that is. And these are just some that, that I just knew off the top of my head would be like drunkenness, um, sexual immorality, you know, something like porn, sex outside of metri- uh, marriage, adultery, homosexuality, masturbation. Um, you know, when it comes to abuse, you have lustfulness, you got pride, you got disobedience, idolatry gossiping, lying, cheating, stealing. I mean, all throughout the Bible, you know, you can see these things kind of pop up reoccurringly and you, you kind of can get an understanding, oh, this person did this and this happened and then they had to return back to God. So that would imagine that's not a good thing. That's that's more than likely sin. Um, and if you really and honestly just go and look at the Ten Commandments, like you'll, you'll get an overall um, idea of what you should not do and what you should do because it'll, it'll definitely kind of just make it clear um, you know, I, I believe the Ten Commandments are still uh, meant to be upheld today. Jesus, even uh, in his Sermon on the Mount, um, in the book of Matthew, you can actually see that he, he kind of re—he doesn't readjust, but he kind of adds a little bit more um, realism to, you know, two of them. Um, you know, if you even look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery in your heart. And then if you, you know, hate your brother, you've already committed murder. You know, it's 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 taken a little bit deeper. So even going to that point, like if you hate somebody, uh, you're not being loving. You're not being like Jesus. You you're pretty much essentially just committing murder. And if you look lustfully on someone, you know, you're you're already committing adultery in your heart. And so there's plenty of things in the Bible um, that you can kind of just read to kind of just look to see what it is you're supposed to repent from, um, and maybe just look some stuff up as well or ask ask a. Uh, uh, pastor or a leader that you know um, who's been in the faith long just to get their understanding on some of it too and then you know kind of going into how do we repent and what does it look like I believe it first has to come you know from recognition Um, you have to first recognize that you have sinned um, in order for you to kind of move into that repentance stage now I'll definitely tell you the Holy Spirit is not shy to to remind you um, that you no longer should live as the world lives um, because you are now a new creation in Christ. You're called to live like Jesus. The Holy Spirit loves you enough. He's the advocate and the helper who's going to remind you, hey, uh, you did this thing, but it's not it's not what you're supposed to be doing. So when, as a, definitely as a beginning Christian, if you you know do something, if someone cuts you off in traffic and you get mad and flick them off or just really just start you know talking crap about them, and then you'd be like, oh man, I kind of really feel bad. I probably shouldn't have done that. That's that's conviction. That's that's the Holy Spirit reminding you, hey, you're not called to live like that anymore. Everyone else in the world may may do that and you know have road rage and everything, but we as as Christians should keep ourselves humble um, and not do that. So even stuff like that, you know, it, it'll give you the ability to to recognize and see that you have sinned and that you need to you know repent from it and uh, and turn away from it. Um, but sometimes I think you yourself have to see that you're sinning. Um, as just as just a reminder, you know, to yourself that I I can't live like that anymore. You know, I can't do this thing that once bound me in chains and kept me kept me in depression and anxiety. You know, I can't keep clicking on this website or, or meeting up with this person to do these things that I shouldn't be doing. You know, whether that's going to parties and getting drunk or having sex, you know, stuff like that. Like it, it'll eventually get to the point where you'll you'll really recognize and understand it. 
Um, and I guess maybe as you as a new believer, just ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, convict me of sin um, in my life. Actually, there's scripture that talks about, and I think it's David that says this in the Psalms, is search my heart, O God, you know, and, and, know, and know my ways, know my heart, and, you know, bring up anything um, to me that, that does not give you honor or glory, you know, and maybe you just need to go that way with it um, in order to kind of just figure out, you know, more and more on how to how to understand what what sin is and what to repent from. But secondly, I would also say, you know, when it comes to how to repent is is by confessing your sin, you know, whether that's to another person, uh, especially if you sin towards that person, you know, if you've done something toward that person that's sinful or, you know, to God overall. And confessing your sins is is very powerful and it, and it brings healing to you. I know in First John one nine it says, "If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us um, from all unrighteousness." Now, kind of going back to what I was talking about earlier, when it comes to um, the salvation aspect, or or us having to to be saved from our sins or, or repent in order to have a salvation, um, it's not that we haven't been set free from our sins overall, like we have that salvation freedom of sin, but we still have a relational aspect with God, and we can still sin and kind of, like I said earlier, add um, some tension between that, and I, I was kind of looking a little bit more into this, and gotquestions.com, I would recommend, if you have any like biblical questions or anything, that's a great resource to go to, um, definitely kind of Double check everything, and I'll say that just about anything that I I would say kind of look at. Double check and make sure that what's being said is biblical and that there's biblical evidence behind it. You know, ask a pastor or someone who who's been in the Word or, or knows the Bible very well or, or Christian doctrine just to make sure that everything you're kind of reading is is right. Because the last thing you want to read is something wrong. But GotQuestions.com says um, something that really good that kind of puts that together with the relational you know sin that we have. And it says while God has ultimately forgiven us of the sins we commit they still result in a blocking or hindrance in our relationship with God. You know, a young boy who sins against his father is not cast out of the family. A godly father will forgive his children unconditionally. At the same time, a good relationship between father and son cannot be achieved until the relationship is restored. This can only occur when a child confesses his mistakes to his father and apologizes. This is why we confess our sins to God, not to maintain our salvation, but to bring ourselves back into close fellowship with God uh, who loves us and has already forgiven us. And so even now, as we sin, there's still a, a asking of forgiveness. There's still an amending that needs to happen between us and God because we, we obviously love God. Like we care about God. We care about our relationship with him, with him. And he, you know, does the exact same. So when we kind of create that tension through, through sinning against him, um, you know, we, we definitely have to kind of go back and, and apologize and ask for forgiveness and, it, you know, kind of take it through just the normal re- relationship or friendship that you have. Like if you did something wrong to your friend, you're going to, you know, feel bad about it. There's going to be tension between you. So until you kind of apologize and amend, there's going to be tension. There's going to be friction. But once that's, you know, established with forgiveness and with, with asking for forgiveness, um, there's there's amending. There's there's that uh, brokenness that's, that's reestablished into um, a defined, you know, structured relationship. So it's kind of even, even to that point, you know, if you want to take it that direction to give you a little bit more clarity. Uh, on it, so I still, still definitely uh, believe we still have you know our salvation overall, but we still need to confess our sins to God um, and people that we sin against, because it'll bring the restoration and the healing, which kind of brings me to you know the ending part of this question. You know, what does it look like? 
Well, remember we talked about earlier about how there must be those actual actions put into place for repentance to fully develop or be lived out. So just like confessing our sins to one another, we also need to put into action the Word of God um, and what He says to help us live differently next time we are in that position to sin, next time we're in that temptation. And we'll kind of just you know bring and wrap this episode up with just a couple examples for you just to give you a little bit more understanding on it. Um, so just here's our couple of examples. So instead of speaking harshly or wrongfully you know, to a brother or sister, you know, whether that's your literal brother or sister or our sister or brother in Christ, um, you choose to hold your tongue. You know, Proverbs 21, 23 says, those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. You know, harsh words cut deeper than what you think. Um, you could easily ruin a friendship or relationship with someone by your speech or by things you said um, in the heat of the moment. I've definitely had those moments in my life, you know, with full transparency. Um, I've, I've said things in the moments. I've done things in the moment that I've had to go back and I've had to, I've had to repent. I've had to ask for forgiveness and, and talk to a friend and, and mend that relationship again. Um, so definitely that's, that's one, you know, keep your, um, tongues in check, you know, don't speak anything harshly, um, because it'll, it'll definitely, um, save you from having to worry about calamity and, um, just a rough time between you and a, and a possible loved one or friend. Another one that we have here is if you have the tendency to spread rumors or lies. Um, Psalms 34, 14 says, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Um, it's so funny. Anytime I go back to this one, I'm reminded of a, of a puppetry video that me and my brother did uh, for a church. And we literally did puppetry and had to sing. I can't remember if we had to sing the song or not, if we just had to do the mouthing of the puppets. But it was kind of it was all based on that verse, you know. Um, you know, holding your tongue, keeping it from um, from spreading evil uh, and telling lies. So if you want to look that up practically in a way, you know, when that co-worker that you have spills the tea about what's going on between Tommy and Janice, you keep quiet and you stick to yourself and do not spread or repeat what they're saying because that's not that's not what you should be doing. You shouldn't be adding, um, you know, to the pot. You shouldn't be stirring it up. You should be um, more of anything, just keeping, you know, to yourself and not allowing that to kind of happen. I would say if it's another Christian, you know, another brother, sister in Christ, you may lovingly need to be like, Hey, like, don't, don't do that because that's their business. That's none of our business. You're kind of stirring the pot here and you don't need to do that. Um, so maybe that's something that needs to go with that too. Um, and this is a big one here. And I, and I, I think some people would maybe a little bit combat me with it. Um, because there's no, I guess, quote unquote, biblical evidence but cussing you know if cussing is an issue then i believe ephesians 4 29 definitely kind of just adds adds kind of the chair on the top in my opinion when it comes to cussing um says do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs and that it may benefit those who listen so bring it into big perspective here if the world looks down on cussing and they say it's something that you shouldn't do. Even even people who are sinners are not a big fan of cussing. What exactly do you think that looks like if a Christian is cussing like a sailor? Or they're cussing around all these people all the time. You know, I understand it happens. You let one loose here and there. But if it's in your in your, you know, vocabulary, um, you might wanna might wanna try to get that locked down and checked. Um because if like I said, if the world looks at it and, and doesn't agree with it, um, how well do you think that kind of helps you out when it comes to you uh, doing ministry or witnessing? You know, does it bolster your ministry and witness, or does it hurt it? 
I would imagine it hurt it because the world looks down on it. And if the world looks down on it, it's pretty bad, y'all. Like, uh, I know we don't look through worldly standards, but even the world sometimes kind of has a, a grip of reality and common sense. Um, so I'll definitely say, you know, if, if there's some cussing involved, uh, I would definitely try to try to get rid of that and give that to God. Um, and then another one I have, I think this is the last one, was if you have like um, a lust, sin, or a sexual impurity problem. First uh, Corinthians 6.18 says, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Um, this one is one that is definitely a necessity um you know to kind of to kind of keep in mind especially in this day age and time um if you look at the world right now it's uh, there's so much pornography and all this nonsense all this crap all this stuff um do not get mixed up in it i i guarantee you speaking from someone who has had experience who crossed a line at a young age um both with looking at porn and um having sex way before he should have. Um, I should have waited to marriage, and I wish I did. Um, don't get involved with that stuff, because that's a line you can't cross back over easily. Like, it has, it's only through the blood of Jesus. Like, it's only through the power of God that you, you cross back over that line. Um, so don't get caught up in the trap of thinking, oh, well, everyone else is doing it, so, you know, it won't hurt if we if we do it. You know, don't be the person who's like, oh, if we just sit in the car by ourselves after the movie, kind of just talk, you know, it, it'll be all right. What could happen? Um, a lot. A lot can happen. Uh, I've made that mistake. Do not get caught up in, in thinking that your flesh knows better. Like, please use um, common sense and, and don't allow, you know, your fleshly desires to get the better of you. Remember, you don't live as the world does or the flesh. You live that you live as Christ. Um, and I think right here, like what it says in the scripture, you know, all other sins a person commits are outside of the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. So you're also sinning against yourself, which I think is, it, it just makes it a whole lot more real. Like, being prideful or arrogant or spreading gospel and everything, it 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 hurts other people and it hurts your relationship with God. But something about when you sin sexually, it creates a turmoil within yourself. Like it, and you may hear it the more you kind of grow up in in Christianity, or you may have already heard about the whole like soul tie thing. Like you, when you when you sin against uh, your body sexually, you kind of sin against it and take a little bit of yourself off of it and place it on another person like you kind of create you create a bond that shouldn't be created because that was only meant for marriage um so understand that you know even then you you kind of have to take the bigger lens and kind of look like ah, i need to i need to ask myself for forgiveness because i've sinned against myself because i've done something that i shouldn't have done even from even to myself um, in those moments. So just understanding stuff like that. And there's many other examples I could give. Um, and, and all throughout the Bible, if you read it and you, and you look at people's lives and what, what they do, um, even if you look at David, Solomon, if you look at, um, Saul, I mean, all throughout the scriptures, y'all, y'all can find so many ways of seeing what, what repentance looks like and what to repent from, what to, what to stay away from. Um, so definitely kind of just definitely stay in the word and keep reading the scripture. But, I really just kind of want to just end this episode and just kind of wrap it up all with just giving you some encouragement too when it comes to repentance. Um, a big thing that I would definitely say to encourage you is don't beat yourself up when you mess up. 
um, repentance uh, and living as Jesus, as a Christ father, uh, follower, it takes time. Um, it's not, it's not a, you know, Rome was built overnight kind of thing. It wasn't this miracle thing that happened overnight. It's a constant process, and you and you grow more and more into it the longer you apply it. Um, you know, it's not some miracle, quote-unquote, drug, spiritual drug that gets you out of sin um, that happens overnight. You know, it's it's something that, that's a process that takes time. Um, so don't be discouraged, you know, when, when you fall or when you falter. Um, keep confessing, keep, keep pushing, keep going after it, like keep making the moves, taking the actions to get out of it. I, I, I that's what I did. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I was addicted to pornography for 14, 15 years of my life. Um, and throughout that time, I constantly kept fighting it, constantly kept surrendering to God. I, and I made certain actions in order to get away from it. You know, I, I talked to other people, I confessed to people, I, I, put codes on my phone to lock me out of going to websites like I I made the the choice to get away from it because I knew it was killing me and destroying my life like I said what the, what the scripture says you know whoever sins sexually sins against their body I was literally destroying my own body my life because of the sexual sin that I was caught up in um so yeah don't don't let it discourage you like keep pushing forward and, and keep hoping and keep praying like the Lord is going to bring you to that full freedom where where you don't even have to worry about it anymore you know the temptation comes but you you've repented and and given it to God and have bolstered yourself up um, through wanting to live righteously and and um, have the full effect of repentance and changing your actions and your ways um, to the point that you don't even have to worry about it, you know, uh, tripping you up because you've got so um, strong in your faith and strong in your repentance that uh, you can just say no to it. And it, like I said, that takes time, but it definitely um, is a consistency, uh, consistency thing. Um, so definitely keep keep pushing um, keep moving forward. I think the scripture even talks about, just to give you one if you want to you know, use it, that the righteous may fall seven times, but each time they keep getting up. So keep getting up. Keep making those actions towards changing your thoughts and actions. Confess it to people. Talk to other people. And uh, you know, in due season, you'll see the fruit from it, and you'll, you'll see that freedom and victory um, fully come together for you. But that's all what I have for this week, y'all. Um, I, I'm just continually just being blessed and, and grateful for this time that God has given me. Um, it's, it's been absolutely amazing, and, and I hope it's helping you out. I hope it's giving you some guidance and direction, um, you know, in your walk, in your faith. And, you know, if you're a, if you're a new believer, um, you know, please keep coming back. I, I think this stuff is definitely um, something that God has given me, a little bit of a gift uh, for just to teach um, new believers and kind of help them move along. And if you're a seasoned believer, it may help you um, to see something that you've never seen before. Or if you want to share it with someone, by all means, please do. Please do. Um, I, I put my content out there for people to use um, for you know the the basis of equipping people and, and edifying the church. So yeah, just just keep praying for me as I keep walking this out, and we'll pray together, and we'll let God continue to do what He wants to do this podcast. But I'm super grateful for the support and and all the love that people give me. Um, if you have any questions about anything in the podcast, or you have any questions about the Christian faith, um, I always put my Instagram um, handle in the description. That way, you know, if you want to DM me or talk about anything, you are more than happy to. And if you like this podcast and you wanted to kind of help, uh, help me continue to do this as my full-time job, uh, I'll put the uh, 
the handle for my PayPal uh, in the description as well. That way, if you wanted to donate, um, you can. Uh, but yeah, I'm appreciative for, for all that you do and all for the support. But we'll continue to live this thing out, and I'll see y'all in the next one.